uh, in the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we've discussed how the Lord's Prayer, how the Lord teaches us how to pray. It doesn't teach us what to pray, but rather He gives us a pattern of how to relate to our Lord. And so now we're in the section dealing with, um, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the sermon text can be found in your bulletin, and uh, we're going to look at that last passage. So hear the word of the Lord. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The word of the Lord. Well, we're all familiar with temptation, aren't we? I experienced it yesterday when we were uh, leaving our vacation home where we've been for a week. And I was tempted to turn the car around and go back and stay there for another week. Alas, I, uh, I, I strongly became responsible and here I am. Otherwise, this would have been a very quiet uh, sermon. But we're all familiar with temptation. You know, we all have plans for our life, the people who we want to be, the places we want to go, the relationships we want to have. And yet, invariably, we discover these detours, these temptations that seem to want to move us in a different direction, that they look so right, but they end up so wrong. Often like mirages in the distance, beguiling us to come to a place of rest, an oasis, but we never quite get there. We've all experienced the draw of temptation, haven't we? The quick rich money deal, the opportunity to gossip with a friend, the lure of the bottle, the pretty woman at the office. These temptations get into our minds, alter our perceptions of reality, and twist our emotions. So at the end of it, we don't know what's up and what's down. Temptations are like landmines. I don't know if you know this, but there are 110 million landmines around the world. And you know, the thing about a landmine is you don't put it out in the open space, do you? You bury it under so it looks like everything else. And as you're walking along, and if you get too close, it blows up in your face. We've experienced that, haven't we, as we've fallen prey to temptation? Whether we've experienced the blow-up or now we live in fear to even take a step lest we fall. We feel the effects in the broken affair, the deal that went wrong, the friendships that were fractured because of the hasty words that were said. And we wish that we could go back, that somehow we could turn the tide. We were having a party, but now all we're left with is this hangover. How are we to deal with temptation? How are we to gain victory over being so easily deceived? How would life be different if we were able to overcome temptation? If we were able to walk past the detour, to walk into being the people that we are called to be, to not be tricked or tempted by the imitation, but to embrace the genuine thing. Well, this, there's hope in this prayer, because as we read it, we see that God gives us a way to navigate through the difficulties of temptation. That even in the space of temptation, He gives us a place to stand. See, my friends, temptation is not going away. And we must discover how to deal with it. The truth of the matter is, there are only two choices. You'll either surrender your temptation to Jesus, or you will surrender to your temptation. 
There's no other way. You will either surrender your temptation to Jesus or you will surrender to your temptation. There is no other way. Well, I want to unpack that statement in this verse and we're going to look at three truths. The first is the truth behind temptation. What's really going on when we're tempted? What's, what's going on? Where did this come from? Why does it affect us so? The truth behind temptation. Then we're going to look at a second point, the test of temptation. That there's something that God is doing in temptation that's greater just evil than just evil. There's something positive. And then finally, victory over temptation. How we can find victory even in the midst of the difficulties of temptation. So the truth behind temptation, the test of temptation, the victory over temptation. Let's look at the first part, the truth behind temptation. Where does temptation come from? You know, it's always been that friend of humanity, hasn't it? If you play the tape all the way back to the creation of man, it was right there, wasn't it? Right alongside of us. It's always been. It was with Adam all the way on. And so the scriptures say here, deliver us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's interesting, this word evil, it's actually, if you translated it literally, would be the evil one. In the Greek, whenever you say a word, a name, you always put a definite article. So it wouldn't be Paul, it would be the Paul, or the Jesus, or the Pilate. Well, this is the evil. Deliver us from the evil. See, what the scriptures are really saying is not deliver us from evil, but rather deliver us from the evil one. Who is this evil one? His name is Satan. Many of us are familiar with him because he's throughout the scriptures. He is our nemesis that has always existed. The scriptures tell us that Satan was an angel. In fact, one of the higher angels in the hierarchy of angels, maybe one of the top along there with Michael. But he sought even more than his position. He sought to rebel against God. And so he led a rebellion that was stopped by God and the angels, Satan and his followers were cast out of heaven. But the angel, Satan, the dark angel, hates us. Why would he hate us? What do we have to do to make him hate us? Well, the reason is this. We're simply made in the image of God. And so when Satan looks at us, he sees him. And he hates everything that is him. And so his job, his desire, is to do to us as he tried to do to God. So this Satan who masquerades as an angel of light is very creative in the ways he gets into our minds. If you remember in the garden, how did Satan come to Adam and Eve? Not in his original self, but rather through a creature. Through one that would not scare them, a serpent, just like any other animal. Why did God allow this? I don't know. But this serpent comes to the woman and to the man and says, did God really say did God really say that you shouldn't eat from this tree? No, no, no. If you eat this tree, here's why he said that. Because you'll become like God, knowing good from evil. And the woman saw the apple and said it was desirable for gaining wisdom and good for food and pleasing to the eye. As her mind was altered and she took the fruit and ate it and gave some to Adam. And the whole of mankind was plunged into misery. See, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. As my wife has said, Satan always wears a tuxedo. But he's cunning, and he's a liar, indeed the father of all lies. And his job is to take us captive. 
Indeed, 2 Timothy 2.26 tells us that God has taken this world captive to do His will. I had a neat opportunity with my kids to do something that we love when we go down to Topsail Beach where we vacation. We got a chance to go crabbing. You know, crabbing, I don't know if you've ever done it. I brought one of our deluxe crab traps here. It's very special, okay? Anyone ever done crabbing before? It's not rocket science, okay? What you do is you take a piece of chicken and you tie it down here to the bottom, okay? And then you just lower it down off the dock into the water and it just sits there. And lo and behold, there's the chicken. So along comes the crab and he sees the chicken. In fact, I think that there's an imaginary conversation going on between two crabs. The first I'll call Phil. Phil the crab looks at the chicken and says, we've hit the mother load. Look at this, this is unbelievable. It's just sitting there waiting for us. But his friend, Harvey the crab says, whoa, 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 wait a second. Do you see that metal ring? Something's not right here, Phil. No, 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 no. This is, this is fantastic. We can have our Phil. It's just sitting for there. No one's ever, no one's gotten there yet. We've got to move in. But Harvey goes, wait a second. What's this string going up through the water? What's this net? Oh, please. Harvey, can't you see in front of you what you have? You've got to rush in. You've got to get it. And so the crab goes in to grab the chicken. And sure enough, up comes the net, and he's captured. See, his eyes were on the chicken, not on the net. We can laugh and say, wow, well, that's a chicken and a crab. That'll never happen to me. I read this story recently that made me think of this in Proverbs about a man who lacked sense. Say to wisdom, you are my friend, and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman from the adulteress with her smooth words. For out of the window of my house I looked, and I've seen among the simple a youth lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. In the twilight she comes out to meet him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and unwayward, and she seizes him and kisses him. And this guy is going, this is unbelievable. This woman comes out of nowhere, and she's beautiful, and she's kissing me, and she's saying she likes me. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. The woman goes on, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. In other words, I've gotten right with God, and i got sin to fill up. So now I've come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I've spread my couch with coverings, colored linens, and Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till the morning. Let us delight ourselves, for my husband is not home. He is gone on a long journey. And this guy can't believe this. This woman is seeking him out. He wants to bring her home into his house to share something special. I mean, this is true love. This is this isn't normal. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And there are his friends sitting right next to him saying, whoa, 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 time out, buddy. Okay, we've seen this girl before, remember? She's over here, remember this guy and this guy, no, no, no. But he's not listening, is he? No, no, you got that all wrong. This is the one, this is the opportunity. And as his friends try to pull him back, he moves forward. Until the next morning, 
where it said here, with much seductive speech he persuades him. And all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. See, he discovers at the end of the day that he's not special. This isn't a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It happens every day. He's just a toy, a plaything of this woman. He's just a loaf of bread at the end of the day. And in the morning, he's turned out, guilty, embarrassed, and ashamed, and living in fear for the husband that will surely come home. See, the question I have for you is this. What is your chicken? What is it that's dangling in front of you? See, we have to understand the truth of temptation, that Satan is real, and that you have an enemy. You may say to me, no, 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 Carlos, come on, man. That's, that's an old myth. Satan's that little guy, you know, with a pitchfork. He's on your shoulder saying, no, no, you shouldn't do that. Or he's the guy with the church lady, you know. It's a skit. It's a sideshow. There's nothing there. But wouldn't it make sense that the angel of light would create a false image of himself? The most effective enemy is the one you don't know that you have. And so the truth of the matter is, don't look at the chicken, look for the net. God has given us a way that we can determine what is right and what is wrong. It's called His Word. You know, I remember uh, when I was uh, in high school, I played tennis, and one day we went out to play, and the courts had just been resurfaced, and there were no lines on the court. And so we went out to play tennis. And you know what? It was amazing. Every single one of the balls I hit was in. It didn't matter. When I hit it, it would go in. I was like Federer out there. I was like God on the tennis court. It was astounding. And then we came back a couple days later, and there were the lines. And we understood that there are parameters of the way the game is to be played. See, God has given us His Word. Not to constrain us, but to give us freedom. To understand how to walk so that we will not be entrapped in the net. And so God's word teaches us what is right and wrong. and helps us not to look at the chicken, but to look for the net. Because we will either surrender our temptation to Jesus or surrender to our temptations. This is the truth behind temptation. Well, I want to move into this, the test of temptation. If that's the truth, if Satan is behind us and how he works, what is the test of this? Why does God allow temptation? I mean, when I became a Christian, I thought all of this was going to get easier. It seems like sometimes it's gotten harder. Why does God allow temptation? I want to suggest to you that God has a bigger plan for our lives that involves temptation. But this passage makes it sound really strange because it says, And lead us not into, into temptation. Does God bring us into temptation? Does He lead us into temptation? Well, the Scriptures have a lot to say about this, and the answer is no. God does not lead us into temptation. James 1.13 puts it this way. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings, brings forth death. See, what, what the scripture is saying here is, no, 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 it's Satan who lures. And your evil desires, which clutch onto this lure, which brings, 
birth gives birth to death. But then it says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. See, God is pure. God is holy. God is righteous and just. He is not the author of temptation. And we know that if you are a Christian, God is for you. The scriptures tell us in Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So what is God's role in temptation? It's very interesting. The word Greek, the Greek word for uh, temptation is parasmos, and it actually means two different things. It means temptation and it means test. See, God does not tempt us, but he does test us. And sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. See, God has a bigger plan in temptation. He uses these trials and tests to strengthen us. Satan is using temptation to destroy us, but God is using tests to strengthen us. And temptations often are part of those tests that God allows. We see this throughout the scripture. Listen to Genesis 22.1 when God speaks to Abraham. And God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Go and sacrifice your son, your only son. And this was Isaac, Abraham's only son, the one of whom God had told him, you will build a nation through your seed. And here is God saying, go sacrifice your son. And so as Abraham reconciled these two things, he made a decision to trust God. That God is good, his plan is perfect, and that God will take care of the situation. So in faith, Abraham went. And did Abraham thought that he would have to go through with this act and that God would resurrect his son from the dead. So confident was he in God's plan. And so Romans 4.20 tells us that Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God because God had the power to do what he promised. Abraham trusted in God in the midst of the test that had temptation in the past. But unfortunately, many, many people in the Bible did not pass the test. The Israelites in the desert, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. See, the people are hungry and they're starving, and so God determines to give them good things, but to test, do you trust me? Or will you be tempted to go out and gather more to trust yourself? And of course, what did they do? They went out to gather more because they trusted in themselves, not in God. I think one of the best stories is the story of Job. Remember, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? From roaming the earth, going back and forth. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him, for he is blameless and upright. And Satan says, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands, but stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has in your hands, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. See, God allowed Satan to tempt Job. 
Why would God do this? Because sometimes God allows what He hates to accomplish what He loves. See, God could see the whole picture. He could see on the other side of reality how God would use this situation to promote and build trust in Job's life so he would know his glory in a way that he had never known before. See, God allows us to be tempted, but never beyond what we can bear. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will provide a way out so that you can stand under it. God will not allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. But here's the truth. God will allow you to be tested by more than you can handle. Testing is totally different. In fact, the point of testing is to get you to a point beyond what you can bear. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. They're feeling it. The pressure's on them. The trial is taking them down. It's far beyond their ability. But Paul goes on. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. See, the purpose of temptation and testing is not to recognize the strength we have in ourselves, but rather our need for the strength that God has. See, every temptation is a test for us to look at Satan or to look at God, to look at our strength or to look at His. When you think about it, every test and temptation we experience is just a replay of the fall of man, isn't it? All the characters are there, man, God, and Satan. As Satan comes along and says to you in whatever situation, did God really say? As he takes whatever fruit it is in your life and shows you it and makes it in such a way that it's pleasing to the eye and useful for gaining knowledge. Why does God allow us to experience temptation? Because he wants us to get to the point where we decide, I do not choose that, I choose you. I will not rely on my own strength as Adam and Eve did. I will rely on your strength. See, to pray this very prayer, lead us not in temptation, the actual way we should, it should be said is, and let us not succumb to temptation. Because surely it's not leading him into testing, leading him into temptation. God allows that to happen. But rather, God, do not allow me to succumb temptation. See, to pray this prayer is to get to the end of yourself. And to raise your hands and cry out to God and say, God, rescue me. Because I cannot do it on my own. Every temptation is a trial designed to break us down in ourselves so that we might be built up in Him. And it's a painful process. Remember a story that I read about a pastor who was in China and he was in a, a river, and he had two other friends in this river. One was a very good swimmer, and the other one wasn't so good. So they're in the river, and this guy who's not so good a swimmer gets taken out a little bit from the bank. And he starts to get tired, because he's not that great a swimmer, and there's a little bit of a current. And he starts to panic, and he starts to flail around. And the pastor saw this happening, and he saw the other friend who was an excellent swimmer, who was relatively close, but who wasn't going to rescue him? 
And the pastor became incensed. What is the problem here? This guy could rescue him, and yet he's not doing so. And this guy, all of a sudden, after a little bit of time, started to stop flailing. He was going under. His strength was gone. And it was at that point that the excellent swimmer rushed over and grabbed him and brought him in. When they got to the bank, the pastor said to him, I can't believe that. What were you thinking? You should have gone over there. Why did you wait so long? The guy said, it's simple. When he was flailing around, he had way too much strength for me. He would have tried to drown me. Instead, it made better sense to wait until his strength was gone and he could not resist me that I could come in and rescue him. See, the purpose of temptation is to move us to rely on him, to stop flailing around, to become weak that he may become strong in our life. So how are you and I doing? All of us feel the pull of sin, don't we? Some of us deal with the struggle of pornography, which is rampant in America today. A problem that a lot of men deal with, and in fact, a fair amount of women, as statistics show. And we feel the pull of it, and feel trapped and helpless, as we can't escape the tractor beam, the net that seems to close around you. And you're angry with God. God, take this away. I don't want it. Why would you continue to let this be a part of my life? But the reason is that God wants you to learn that His strength is made perfect in weakness. And it's through temptation and trials that we can only finally get to a point where we give up on ourselves and we look to God to be rescued. Where do you go in the midst of temptation? Do you go to yourself or do you go to God? Do you find your victory in yourself or in God? See, the question for each one of you and for me is this. It's not whether we're strong enough. It's whether we're weak enough. Have you gotten to the point where you throw up your hands to God and say, Help, I cannot do this. Because if you do, you will learn the strength of the Lord. I love this passage in Isaiah where it says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not be fitting. See, there's only two ways to go, my friends. To Jesus or to Satan. You will either surrender your temptation to Christ, or you will surrender to your temptation. There is no other way. Well, this brings me to my final point. We've talked about the purpose behind temptation, the test of temptation. Now I want to talk just a couple of words about the victory over temptation. See, some of you may hear me saying these things, and you say, this is, this is way too simple. This is easy. I've tried this before. It doesn't work. The truth of the matter is it may be simple, but it's not easy. See, the life that we are experiencing is not meant to be a life of theory, but one of actuality. But how can we be sure that God will rescue us if we throw up our hands? Maybe we should keep 
fighting to try to stay above the water. Maybe we become comfortable with our own failure because it's okay to have no faith in ourselves. But if we put faith in God and He's not there for us, now what do we have? And so it's better to keep an arm's length from God, never asking and never receiving. How can we stand? The truth of the matter is no one has ever stood against temptation. From the first man until now, Adam and Eve with the apple, the Israelites in the desert, David with Bathsheba. No one has ever stood against temptation except for one. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He became flesh and dwelt among us. God put on flesh and became the perfect God and was the perfect God and became the perfect man. See, he was just like us, just like you and me, who experienced the same temptations that each one of us did and yet managed to stand. Hebrews 4.15 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, the one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, Jesus had a time of testing just like you and me. After the baptism where God said, this is my son who I am pleased with. It said that Jesus was led by the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of man, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Right at the point where Jesus had not eaten for 40 days. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then Jesus took him to the holy city and put him at the highest place. If you will worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus said, worship the Lord and serve him only. Well, throw yourself down because it says that he will command his angels concerning you so you will not strike your, hand, your foot against the stone. But Jesus said, do not put your Lord but your God to the test. Away from me, Satan. Worship the Lord your God. You know, it's very interesting that those three verses are from Deuteronomy. They're the very verses that the Israelites failed in their journey throughout the desert. See, Jesus is the only one who's been obedient. Indeed, even obedient to the cross. And so God has recognized him and exalted him to the highest place. Jesus has survived and been victorious over temptation. And now all authority in heaven on earth has been given to him. For he is Lord over the prince of the world. See, you don't have the strength, but he does. And he is in you, and you are in him. If you are a Christian, you don't want to overcome temptation, but he does. He is in you, and you are in him. You won't, but he will, because you are in him. He is in you. Jesus is the one who has the resurrection power. And God has given us Jesus to stand between us and Him, the perfect man, the perfect God. And so if we look to Christ, if we trust in Him, we with Paul can say, I've learned the secret of being content in every circumstance, whether in want or in need. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So where do you look when you want victory over temptation? To the temptation or to Christ? Do you flail your arms more or do you say, Christ, don't let me succumb to this temptation? 
Do you thrash or do you say, help me? Do you know his strength? For it's only when you begin to boast in your weakness that you will discover the power and awesomeness of Christ who has the power to deliver you from every temptation in your life. That is his promise and his gift to us who believe. So surrender your life to him. For you will either surrender your temptation to Jesus or you will surrender to your temptation. There is no other way. So help us God. Amen. Lord, we do thank you for your word, which is a blessing. It's a balm to our wounds, Lord, as we struggle and limp along wounded by temptation and sin. Temptation from the past and temptation which besets us now. Help us, Lord. We raise up our hands, Lord. Help each one of us to stop thrashing and to say to you, Lord Christ, deliver us. Let us not succumb to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And so we trust you. Amen.